Hey there, and welcome to the podcast. I am Greg Detmeyer. Not sitting next to me is Jenny Hillebrand, because this is simply a brief intro to part two of our podcast with Will Wise on asking powerful questions. We sat down with Will Wise, author of the book, Asking Powerful Questions, Creating Conversations That Matter. We talked for a good 80 minutes or so, so we're breaking that into three separate podcasts. This is podcast number two. If you haven't listened to one, number one, go back and do it. You can check it out at our website or on iTunes or wherever you are finding us at. Well, that's enough for me. I'm going to kick it back to Jenny, myself, and Will Wise from our conversation. Enjoy. Um, you're kind of we're kind of leading into one of the other things I remember from the book. I don't. I think it was maybe chapter two during the rapport. You kind of mentioned maybe it was a story about a subway or something, but not trying to simply find commonalities between people. As the more I read that, the more I thought like I do that all the time, and I hate small talk. As I'm sitting there, if he I can't, really does. If, I can't <laughs> if I can't find something we have in common, I just like all right awkwardly scooch away i don't know what to do in that situation just thinking like how many people are shut down from great relationships simply because they're not willing to talk about or not even not willing but like they're just so focused on we have to have stuff in common and i think even bigger picture our political field not to jump into politics when we jump into politics well we bash both sides so we're not taking a stance on either side but like so many times we only hang out with like-minded people on either side. So like when we encounter someone with a different opinion, we don't really know what to do. Wow. There's a lot that I can respond to. So let me say something about the four line story quickly is if I started telling you those four line story, that four line story with here, I'm here to help you or I'm here to hurt you. That color of that mask could show up predictably on the other side. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So getting that intent clear. When you're connecting with somebody, so this is the second level of the pyramid that you're talking about, which I'm calling rapport, which is building relationships of trust. How do you connect with your students, with your colleagues in such a way that avoids the small talk? Are you task oriented or relationship oriented? I I like to be relationship focused, but I have to get past like that initial I struggle meeting new people, but I enjoy like a nice in-depth conversation. I got it. How about you, Jenny? I would say I'm relationship oriented. <laughs> I was, was going to guess that too. I am off the chart task oriented. Like I totally want to be doing things with my hand, which is really ironic that I'm writing a book <laughs> that is about forming relationships of trust. And so part of my childhood and being on the streets and not knowing where my next meal was going to come from it's created a dynamic for me to be able to learn from other people and to be really observant. And so a lot of the tools have come into that place. And a lot of the tools from the book are from me being in a place of failure and continuing to find ways to tweak. One thing that I'll give to you that you might have experienced in the book is what is it that we can do and connect in the present moment? So, so often when we're trying to connect, we're trying to connect in the past. So how'd that sports team do or how was your weekend, right? But what's showing up in the present moment right now 
is um, your guys' headsets, right? I have such curiosity about your headsets and what that is. So I would want to ask about that, right? And so that is in the present moment. I am curious about it. I could pretend like, oh, that doesn't exist, but no, I could ask about it. Like, what's all well, your listeners are going? What's on with their headsets? And I think we so should. I think we should say where our headsets I, came from. I think because... we should. Okay. Let's do it. So here, let's do it this way. So I'm meeting you. You got your headsets on. So I might say, what's in, what's the story with your headsets? So the story with the headsets <laughs> is that uh, Greg called today and said, hey. Do you have any headsets, like not earbuds, like do you have any good Bose, you know, headsets? And I said, um, no, but my children have some skull candy <laughs> pink and blue ones that um, I could bring along that we could try. And so I actually have three daughters. So I have three pairs of pink and one pair of blue. And just for, you know, giggles, I was going to make them wear the pink pair, but I was very nice and brought them blue. Claire would have Claire would have put him back on like later on. She'd be like, "Why do my headphones Whose like head drowned my head? <laughs> my fat head's been in them for how long? They're gonna they're never gonna go back to form." And that's funny that you say that because when I realized that you we were gonna see each other, um, I said to Greg, "Number one, I was home all day, wasn't planning on seeing anybody, and now we're wearing these lovely headsets. So <laughs> that's great." So let's just pause there and your <laughs> listeners can do this and you can do this as well. What did we just learn about you and both of you by me asking, what's the story with the headsets? Jenny has three kids. Yes. They must have a tablet obsession with, of some type. <laughs> Jenny, that's a good, Jenny, that's a good Jenny and Jason do not like listening to whatever they're listening to or watching on their tablets. And if they're anything like me as a parent, they're probably yelling at their kids, put your headphones on. We don't need to hear all that racket. Um, and that Greg's forgetful. And <laughs> and she was being sensitive to you going, I could make him wear pink and be about it or <laughs> have him wear blue, right? So all of that came with one simple question. I could have asked you, hey, do you have any kids? But that wasn't in the present moment. Uh, we also learned that you were home today and it sounded like there was, a, right, whatever that was in your plan. So there's, now I have like five other places to be curious from that I could ask about. Are you always so sensitive with your colleagues and want to give them exactly what they want rather than what you think would be funny? I really am. I'm just that nice, right? <laughs> yeah, for the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> And so can you do that with a complete stranger? Can you do that with your colleagues? Can you do that with your students? And the answer to that, all three of those is yes. When I train people really deeply in this work and either do it over 15 weeks or a three-day intensive, I give them some of this stuff that we're talking about right here and then say, go out in the world and do it. So I actually kick them out of the room and say, go have lunch. And I want you to do this with three people before you get back in the next hour. <laughs> and so they do it in line. They do it where, where, wherever. And then they come back with these amazing stories of people that they've just met. And I asked them to do it with strangers because one, it's nerve wracking, but there's no social, doesn't cost much socially, right? You're not going to lose a mm -hmm. whole lot. 
And then once you get a little practice with it, you're willing to do it with your colleagues and your kids. Your kids eat it up, right? When you are able, so here's baseline. Everybody wants to be seen. A little bit better than being seen is heard. And a little bit better than being heard is understood. They want to be gotten. And so when you see the triangle of the pyramid in the book, you can see that shows up the left side of the pyramid. And simply by looking at your headphones and asking what the story is about it, you know that I have seen you. And when I start listening, you're like, oh, this person actually cares. And now we're creating a relationship built on trust. If I ignore the headphones for the whole conversation, then I'm in some way, if my curiosity is really poking at me, in some way I'm ignoring part of you, right? And as soon as I'm ignoring, as soon as I'm ignoring part of you, then I'm not really seeing you, getting between me and you. That might be like my action of the podcast. So usually I say fact of the podcast or something, but like as far as something I would love to take away is try something along those lines as opposed to like, how was your weekend? Yes. Um, well, I mean, a lot of times with those questions, even you're not even, you don't really, you're not really not investing anything in it. You're just trying to be, uh, follow some social norms or something. But, yep. uh, that's going to be my goal to like try that with a few different people. I've, I've done it with students. I've never done it with adults. Like one of my favorite things to ask kids is like about their t-shirts. Like they always wear like crazy shirts or whatnot, or, you know, if they're wearing like a John Cena shirt, just like, Oh, you know, tell me about that shirt and whatnot. Or it always leads to great conversation, but I've never been, I'm, I'm air quoting, which you can't hear on the, the yeah. podcast, but um, I've never been brave enough to do that with adults. And I don't know why. Well, here's here may be why you're worried about falling into a couple of traps. And one of those traps is what I call the compliment trap. So I'm not complimenting the earbuds, the, ear, the, the headsets you guys have on. There is no compliment inside of me that wants to compliment them. Right. But there's a social pressure for us to give compliments. So if I say nice earbuds, you're going to say nice earbuds, right? And there's this or whatever, or this old thing, I got it at Goodwill. So I'm not saying find something that you like. It's not like you're shopping, right? It's not the t-shirt that you really resonate with because it's Pink Floyd, <laughs> whatever that is. What it is, is what are you curious about? And so when you step into the world of curiosity, how is it that this 14-year-old kid is creating his identity with this t-shirt and what that might mean for him? Well, I'm curious about that. So I could tell one story that I really failed with it. Would you like a story? Yeah, we like stories. So one student walked into my class wearing a New York Yankees hat. And he sat down and I said, you're a Yankee fan, eh? And he said, yep. And he pulled out his cell phone and started typing away. No connection. Total disregard. And then I looked at that and I was like, oh, I'm not curious about New York Yankees. I'm not really a sports fan at all. So it was, this is the second trap. I wasn't curious. I was picking up the tool and using it, but I wasn't really curious about it. Two weeks later, similar class, similar structure. A guy walks in, a head taller than everybody else, has a New York Yankee hat on. I said, oh, don't ask about the hat. He came closer, had a New York Yankee jersey on. He took off his jersey, the jacket. He had a New York Yankee jacket on. Took that off, had a New York jersey. New York Yankee jersey on. Pants, socks, shoes, backpack, 
shoelaces. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> and my mind was like, don't ask, Will. Don't ask. You're not curious. You're not curious. And I'm like, wait a minute. I am curious. What am I curious about? How is it he became such a fanatic? That's what I was curious about. So I thought fanatic might have been a bit of a strong word. So I said, how is it you became such a fan? And obviously we knew what he was talking, what we were talking about, right? And he spills it out and tells me this two minute story about his dad taking him to his first game when he was six years old. And he's lost his dad since then. And it was like this tearjerker story that I wanted to suddenly root for the New York Yankees. And I was very touched and moved by what he shared with me. And then later in group and the work that we were doing, when there was this touchy moment, I knew I could ask him a really hard question that would help propel him into the next phase because he knew I heard him earlier. He knew that I got him. Does that make sense? You know, I, I think that rings so true in the work that we do with our teachers. And I'm thinking about, you know, last week was parent-teacher conferences in our district and the work that teachers put into conferences and the work that teachers put into their classroom, you know, us being out of the classroom, we don't have the late night lesson plans. We don't have the um, correcting grading papers and all of that. And so I think about what you said about being heard and being understood and how powerful that is as an instructional coach to still hear and understand what teachers go through every day in their classroom and how today there is more and more and more expected of the teachers and what they're doing with students, more testing, new curriculum, this, new, this, new, that more testing. And just being that kind of soundboard that teachers feel comfortable that they can come and be heard by us and understood and building that connection so that, we're always looking out for the best interest of the students. You know, that, that idea of better every day, better every day for myself, better every day for the teacher and better every day for the student. That is, that's kind of what's sticking out with me right now. Yeah. And I love what you're saying. And so one of the things that we talk about with our work with we is that you can listen somebody into being and what I mean by that is if a teacher comes to you and says, my gosh, I got this problem, and you purely are just trying to listen to get it, the fact that you are listening with that intention to get it can create a moment for them to see a path out all by themselves, to create a new way that they want to be in the world just by being understood. You don't even have to ask the follow-up pieces sometimes now i know your job in some ways is to fix but it's tricky right so there's there's a dynamic that we talk about it's listening so when i am talking what's the opposite of talking waiting waiting for my moment to talk so for most of the world it's the opposite of speaking is actually waiting right waiting for my moment to talk so what happens if we really do make it about listening? So when I am in that waiting mode and I'm listening, I'm actually listening for what I'm going to share next or how I could be helpful. Like I'm Dr. Fix-It-All and I here's the prescription you need to follow. But people don't want to be fixed, right? This listening to win dynamic also has this um, listening to one up 
right? So you start complaining about what's going on in your life and I'll complain about my life. you got three kids. I'll tell you about my three kids with special needs, right? And so as somebody who's been an educator for most, I think all of my professional life and been a principal of a non-traditional school and being in a role where helping teachers as a principal really elevate their teaching, it is rare that a teacher wanted to be, they actually got resentful if I tried to fix them. What they wanted was access to contribution and how can I make a greater contribution? And so on the other end of the listening then is listening to understand, listening to win, listening to understand. When I'm in listening to understand, there's a place I find inside of myself where I just want to get how the world occurs for her. And all the solutions and all the tools and all the resources can show up. But if you totally get caught in the listening to win, you, you cut you only get a narrow piece of what the person is trying to say. And you only get the piece that you think you can fix. <laughs> You're not going to get the other parts that may be occurring for them that you don't have any access to. But if that part is also gotten, then somebody can create themselves into a new way of being. They can go, I really don't like that about what I'm saying. And suddenly they can access that. What would you say? I mean, do you have like a couple tips or tricks or what are some things as a listener we can do to show that we're listening or let the person know that they were heard and I'm thinking both as an instructional coach as well as a teacher who just heard a kid ask a question or answer a question that they know that they were heard um, both teachers and students if I was to answer your question flippantly I would say nothing and here's what I mean by that I'm operating in a world where I'm more concerned about who we are than what we're actually doing, who we are being while we're doing the thing that we're doing. Now, here's a really easy way to access what I mean by that. Because if you ever gone to a restaurant and been served by a waiter or waitress who didn't care about you? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and could you tell that they didn't care about you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. And then what was the impact of that? Maybe you didn't leave them a very good tip. <laughs> so, you didn't, so you didn't leave her a good tip. You leave what she do. Complained kept, about us. Probably kept going about her business. She complained about you. And then who else might she also have been complained about or blamed? Somebody else. Us? The, the schedule, yep. the boss, the location, the food, the cook. It's She could have all the parts of her job down perfect. She knows the menu, how to do the specials, how to bring it to your table, all of it. But if she doesn't care, it has a direct impact on your relationship. So who you are being is more important than what you're doing. Who you are being as a listener, so going back to your question, Greg, who you're being as a listener is more important than what you do. So I don't teach any active listening skills where you're nodding your head and saying, uh-huh, uh-huh. What I'm trying to help people do is to access who they are being and purely by going, Oh my gosh, I am listening to win right now. And I want to listen to understand. Even if you don't say that out loud, if you just say that inside the who you are being switches and it shows up differently. So there's two answers to your question. There's the hard one. And I'll give you the hard one first and then I'll give you the easier one. The hard one is make a list of the things that you listen for. For example, I listen to be admired. Are you guys liking what I'm saying right now? Am I being admired? Right. Or I'm listen for if I am wrong, right? If you're having a difficult time coming up with your list, think about what happens when your 
uh, mom calls you on your phone or think about it when your boss calls you into their office. What are you listening for? So when you generate your list, at any moment, all you have to do is go, oh, I'm listening for how I, I might be wrong here. What else can I be listening for? Purely by saying, what else can I be listening for? Creates a different dynamic. You start accessing who you are being. Thinking about it as a teacher, thinking about it as a kid, how authentic would your conversation be with them if you said, wait a minute, I didn't get what you were saying right there. Can you say that again? <laughs> because we do this pretend listening, right? And then we, and then when we actually missed it, then we try to get back into it and then we pretend like we actually got it. So that's the bigger one is create a list of what you're listening for and then just say out loud or to yourself, what else can I be listening for? The second thing that I talk about fully in the book is how can you reflect back what you got? So I have five different categories. A verbatim one, for example, is just to give it right back. Greg, you're looking for some tips to make it so that teachers can do their job better. I got that right? That is correct. I'm just giving it back to you as close as I can with the words that you are giving. And then I could, on the other end of that is I could do some kind of connecting dots. Well, let me see if I can make one up on the spot. So connecting dots, I'm trying to connect all these different things that I've heard from you. And I might say, you are really driven by teachers having the ability to access how they teach in a way that's most effective for the students. And that's not showing up in that question, but that mm -hmm. showing up in these the conversation. Yep. So when I reflect that back to you, do you feel like I got you? Yeah. Well, yeah. well, like on that one, I felt like you were pulling in what you already know about me from what we just talked about. So it kind of reaffirmed that you were listening previously as well. Yeah. So that's why I call it connecting the dots. So grabbing these different pieces together and putting them together. And, you know, when you, well, let's talk about connecting the dots one for a moment. When you start reflecting that way, you're going to make mistakes. You're not going to hit a home run every time. That is not a requirement. The requirement is what inning is it, right? So that we know that we're in a similar neighborhood, that we're close mm -hmm. to what we're talking about. It confirms, going back to the four-sentence story about the man with the knife, it confirms whether or not we're talking about what the intent is. I guess I'm giving you a third answer to your question. Going back to the intent piece, anytime in a conversation when things are got hot and sticky and suddenly you don't feel like the other person has listened or things aren't understood or you're lost or people are getting heated, is to simply say, okay, hold on for a second. I want to go back to our intent and restate your intent. And if for some reason you haven't stated your intent yet, great. Here's an opportunity to do it. My intent of having this conversation or this meeting is dot, 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 dot. And suddenly it brings you back into the game in agreement of what the game is. That was a long three-part answer. Does that work? And that wraps up part two of our three-part series with Will Wise on asking powerful questions, creating conversations that matter. Please feel free to connect with us on our social medias, uh, starting with our website, iccpodcast.com. You can go there. You can see all our past shows, our mini-casts, our 
contact information. Uh, there's a listener mail tab there. We love hearing from listeners. If you have something that you connected with that we discussed today on our latest episode in our conversation with Will, let us know. Or if you have something that you want us to cover, please reach out. We love hearing from listeners, and we always do the best we can to get back to you as quick as possible. Feel free to check us out on Facebook as well, at Instructional Coaching Corner, and on Twitter, at ICC underscore podcast. If you would be so kind to give us a rating or a comment on your podcasting listening network, that would be great. If it's iTunes, if it's Google Play, if it's Podomatic, Podcast Addict, by giving us those ratings, it makes our content easier for other people to find. And as always, as we leave, ask yourself, what one thing could I do tomorrow that will make me a better version of myself? Then let's wake up and do it, because greatness isn't achieved by one event, but instead a series of small, intentional steps. Go be awesome.